Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my co-host and partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, the last time we recorded, it was up in the air. We kind of assumed he was probably going to play Antonio Brown. Then in between our episodes was the news breaking that he got into a near altercation with GM Mike Mayock. Then it sounded like the Raiders were looking to cut bait, suspend him for sure, and then cut bait possibly. Then we wake up on Friday, and they've all kissed and made up, and Antonio Brown is rip-roaring, ready to go Monday night. Yeah, you know, apparently that he, he, I guess, cursed out Mike Mayock with a racial slur that he said, and it's all good the next day because he apologized in front of the team. I don't know about that. There, there's no point the Raiders been more dysfunctional, Chad, than right now with the Antonio Brown thing. It's been all summer, and I know it's kind of limited to one player, but they literally knew what his baggage was when they traded for him. They knew they were getting kind of a head case off the field, and sure enough, it, it, those problems cropped up again. For the Broncos, I was kind of disappointed just as a football fan of the prospect of Brown not playing because that's a fun matchup to watch. Even Chris Harris Jr. said that. That Denver defense versus the Oakland offense, but but Antonio Brown versus Chris Harris Jr., uh, Kareem Jackson, the new Broncos secondary. I am personally excited to see it now if he does play. Things can still change between now and Monday as we've seen. We can never know for sure with Antonio Brown. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much of the opinion when it comes to star players that are cancerous. I mean, it's the same approach that the medical field has to take when treating cancer. You have to excise the cancer before it corrupts the body. And it's the same thing here. Like, they, I understand the allure. He is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. I get that your team needs that explosive component. However, at what cost? 
at what cost do you absorb all this drama? At what cost are you losing face in your locker room? I mean, just by John Gruden coming out Friday morning and saying, yeah, he's going to play, it kind of clips the wings of Mike Mayock from an authoritative perspective, and he's supposed to be the GM. And so for me, I get it. Like if I were a Raiders guy, I'd probably be just saying, work it out. I don't care what you got to do. Let's get Antonio Brown on the field. But this is one of those situations for the Raiders, fortunately for the Broncos, that's probably going to continue to echo throughout the season. Well, this is the problem when you have a head coach who the, the GM technically reports to. It's it's a really bad setup that John Gruden basically runs the team, and Mike 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 Mayock is there just as an acting boss. He doesn't really have any power, and you can tell they're split on what to do with Antonio Brown. It's obvious that Gruden wants to keep him, and I think Mayock wants to cut him, and Gruden's going to win out. He'll force Mayock out of there in a few years, just as he did uh, Reggie McKenzie. That's just the Raiders' dysfunction. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's positive if they can corral Antonio Brown, but that whole trade was made to sell tickets for Las Vegas. There's no other reason to make that trade. They could have brought another receiver, drafted a receiver, but they brought in such a, a cancerous guy like you say, with a, with a ton of baggage to put butts in seats. That's the only way I can look at it because you bring in a guy to that locker room, it's already shaky. They're coming off a really couple bad years or they're at the lowest point in a fan's point of view from all the trades they made. And you bring in a guy like that, it just says to me that it was a, a ticket-grabbing move. Well, and Chris Harris Jr. brought up a good point earlier this week when he spoke with the media that, you know, obviously Antonio Brown had a phenomenal thing going in a chemistry on the football field, at least with Ben Roethlisberger, to the tune of seven Pro Bowls and all those stats. But what kind of connection does he have with Derek Carr? Now, Carr is a, I think, underrated quarterback. I think he's he's a guy who has played below his capability due to all of the, you know, tumultuous events of the Oakland Raiders, let's just say, over the last five years. But now he's going into a year, second consecutive season in the same system under John Gruden. So I think there's going to be a leap there. And I think eventually something's going to click and he and Antonio Brown are going to have a thing going. But that chemistry, Zach, that was supposed to be created during training camp, that was supposed to be established during the preseason, it hasn't because of all his drama, his foot thing, then his helmet thing, then just not showing up to practices and all that. I mean, far be it from us to turn this into an Antonio Brown podcast, but that's one thing that Chris Harris spoke to is that, look, you know, I'm curious to see what they got going, what kind of connection they have. That's the one thing in terms of on the Broncos side that is an unknown quantity. And then on Oakland side is they don't know exactly what kind of scheme Vic Fangio is going to throw at them, which I think gives the Broncos an advantage considering the fact that Carr and Brown have spent so little time on the actual playing field this summer. I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel bad for Derek Carr in a sense. He's a very, he seems like a pretty nice guy. He's a very religious guy. He's the antithesis of the personality that Ben Roethlisberger has, where Roethlisberger and Brown butted heads because they were kind of alpha males. I don't really totally see Derek Carr in that role. He hasn't really earned that to me in the NFL. Underrated quarterback, not as proven as Roethlisberger. It's either going to be really good with Antonio Brown or really bad. Right now, it's trending toward pretty bad. He unfollowed Carr on Instagram or whatever. Uh, It's just a lot of drama going on. But it's either going to be boom or bust. I mean, that's just the way Antonio Brown is. If the Raiders can reel him in, he's going to be a weapon for him. There's not much chemistry needed to when you have a guy of that kind of talent. You put him on the field. Let him go make plays. Throw the ball up. He'll probably get it. He could work in that offense. He could give the Broncos fits if he plays. Then again, uh, having no film on him works both ways too. It helps the Broncos in a sense because they're still forming chemistry in Oakland. They still have a, lot, a long way to go You know, making that offense go. 
And I would give the edge to Fangio. If this game was, let's say, week three or four, I would say Oakland has a little more time to get their bearings. But week one, I like Fangio at least containing this Oakland offense. Yeah. Fangio just, he's like Belichick where he's going to, he's not going to allow the opposing team to beat you with their best player, with the players that they want to beat you with, their old reliables, their explosive playmakers, their true weapons. Fangio, Belichick, they're two defensive coordinators, defensive minds who they scheme a way to take those type of players out. So I think if you're Vic Fangio, the priority here is contain. You're probably not going to be able to completely stop Antonio Brown, but if you can contain him, like last year even the Broncos, Vance Joseph and Joe Woods did a solid job in this. He caught nine balls. You, You hear that and you go, dang, that's a lot of catches. But the ball was going his way a lot. It only went for 67 yards and he didn't score. So the Broncos, and three of those receptions, I think, were given up to Chris Harris in, in Chris Harris Jr.'s coverage. If the Broncos can limit him to that type of, you know, get as many catches as you want, as long as you limit it. If you can keep Antonio Brown's yards per catch at 10 or below, you're going to win that, that matchup. Right. Keep Antonio Brown in front of you. Don't let him get behind you. And he's going to get his catches. He's going to get his numbers to an extent. Just don't let him single-handedly beat you. Contain him, limit him, and force the rest of that Raiders offense, especially the running game, to beat you. If you could do that, I like Denver's chances. We'll see what Bryce Callahan has to say about this or how he factors into this equation. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But first, you guys, of course, this is us, the official VIP Mile High Mailbag for the week. We're going to get to that, all your questions here in just a second. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, especially our new listeners. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And including from a scheduling perspective like this week where we had a wrench thrown into things. My grandfather fell, hurt his hip, had to have surgery, so it's required me. I'm very close with my grandfather. required me to spend a lot of time with him and be there. And you know how it is with family issues. And when that happened, you know, we had to announce what the changes are going to be, how, when you can expect which podcast, etc. via Twitter. So that's a good reason why to hurry real quick, open it up at Huddle Up Pod. And if you want to get in on the drawing for the month of September, we're giving away some swag, some Mile High Huddle and Huddle Up Podcast swag, randomly drawn to a reviewer who enters their review in the month of September. So if you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts, give us a creative review and a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Fantasy football fans, listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It's freaking huge. Now, it's season long. Here's how draft works. It's season long, but with no micromanagement. You just set it and forget it. So what does that mean? No longer are you having to agonize over the matchups and who to start and all that, they take care of that for you. They're automatically going to start your most efficient lineup based on all the projections, based on all the momentum, so you don't have to worry about it. You set it, you forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup, as mentioned. Your best players automatically get started, and you'll get the best score each and every week, guaranteed. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on 
draft. Just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com and come play free with promo code huddle. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, it's that time of the week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And Zach will say the same thing. This is our favorite episode of each and every week because we just love hearing what's on your guys' mind and dicing up the the topics that are burning for you, and it always creates uh, engaging and phenomenal conversation. In fact, before I grab this question, though, I just wanted to ask you real quick, Zach, the practice report Thursday, Todd Davis, Andy Janovich, Joseph Jones, none of the three practiced. None of the three practiced Friday. So we knew Janovich and Jones no-go this week. Todd Davis, it's not looking good, dude. I think the Broncos are going to have to plan around Todd Davis not being there at least for week one. And then Bryce Callahan, Trey Marshall, both limited Thursday and Friday's practice. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Todd Davis is going to play. He needed to practice on a limited basis at least twice, I would say. He needs to practice uh, tomorrow at least to have any sort of chance to be a game-time decision. But it's looking like that injury was either he had a setback or it, it was more severe than initially reported. It's not. It didn't heal up correctly in time for week one. They should at this point hold him out, get him healthy for week two, that tough Bears matchup, at least you know potentially on one side, and uh, hope you can have him for the rest of the season going forward. If this is one game, like you're, you're without Janovich, like you're without Joseph Jones, yeah. potentially this is one game kind of just have to get by, and they could do that for one week without Todd Davis. He's not a star player per se. Well, let's get to the first question here from our awesome community of YouTube listeners from Arthur Windsor. He says, "Hey guys." Hope all is well and good. Love the pod and listen to every new episode. Thank you for your time and hard work. For my question, I wanted to ask you guys about Antonio Brown and how you think Fangio will try to neutralize him. It's week one and we really have no film on him as he had zero snaps in the preseason. Let me uh, let me put it this way. I think, Zach, that the Broncos, you're going to see a lot of, you know, we've heard Chris Harris over this offseason ever since Fangio arrived talking about how the quote-unquote hard down is going to be more equally distributed because of the zone coverages. This time around, this week, though, I think you're going to see Chris Harris drawing that hard down more often than not against Antonio Brown. But I think one thing the Broncos have going for them this time, Zach, as opposed to previous matchups, whether it was Phillips, whether it was Woods, whether it was Joseph, is those defensive coordinators their predominant philosophy in terms of coverage was man right and I think that plays to Antonio Brown's strengths and it plays to the strengths of whatever quarterback it is as well 
playing zone, it's going to be a little bit harder for Derek Carr to read the field. It's going to be a little bit harder for Antonio Brown to pick out exactly where the soft spot is. I think that's that favors the Broncos. It does, and how many times last year did we scream, and a lot of Broncos fans screamed about the the team playing zone instead of man and not sticking to their strengths, and that's what I think they'll shift to more under Fangio, but especially for this week one matchup if, and this is also another if, we have to say it again, Brown does play in this game, they're going to have to shadow him, they're going to have to roll their coverage. I would bracket him in certain instances, I would use uh, Justin Simmons or Kareem Jackson along with Chris Harris Jr., try to neutralize him, try to keep him in front of you like we talked about. He's going to get his catches, just don't let him beat you over the top, don't let him get free, and don't let him single-handedly score on you and take over the game. If they can do that, I do like their odds. It's a big if. I mean, he is arguably, as I said in the first segment, the best wide receiver in the NFL. But I think with the talent the Broncos have invested and the money they have invested in that secondary, combined with Fangio's X's and O's acumen, I feel pretty good about your Denver Broncos being able to at least limit Antonio Brown in this first matchup. So let's move on here to the next question. Zach comes from Josh Williams. He says, Hey, fellas. Oh, it's Jedi Josh. He says, hey, fellas, Jedi Josh, just saw this on YouTube, figured I'd drop a question. Given the way things are looking with inside linebacker, you guys got confidence in the players we have there? Question mark. So, Zach, we just touched on the fact that it's not looking good for Todd Davis. The Broncos brought in Corey Nelson and uh, reignited things after a day of thinking about it with Keyshawn Bearia. So, if Todd Davis doesn't go... To me, it sounds, and and Fangio has spoken mostly positively about Corey Nelson getting up to speed this week so that he can contribute and play on defense. I think you're going to see Alexander Johnson play the base downs alongside Josie Jewell, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot more Corey Nelson than you might have expected, even on just one week of preparation returning to this team. It's a completely different team than from when Nelson was here before, completely different system. So he's going to have to settle in. But it sounds like from just listening to Fangio a few times this week that he's optimistic Nelson's going to be able to maybe contribute, I would say, on like nickel situations. Yeah, assuming Davis is out, they're going to kind of have to use the sum of all their parts and throw all their inside linebackers, including Justin Hollins, at the Raiders. And uh, fortunately for them, Oakland doesn't have a real game-breaking tight end, so they can kind of get by containing Darren Waller uh, if they want to go that route. Corey Nelson, I mean, you're going to have to just get by without Todd Davis. It it was always their weak spot, Chad. We've been saying it all offseason, all preseason, all training camp. Inside linebacker is by far the weak spot of the Denver defense, and it's always going to be, even when Davis returns. But we have to believe that Fangio has a scheme that he can mask his, his weaknesses and get the most out of the players that he has there. This next one here comes from Juice. He says, and by the way, it was Juice whose idea was to get the MHH Fantasy League going. The draft yes. was on Thursday, and uh, I hope you guys who are participating are stoked on your, your drafts. I'm, I'm happy with mine. But let's get to Juice's question. He says, who will have the better game, Denver's offense or Denver's defense? I think it'll be the offense as I'm struggling to think of a notable player on Oakland's defense. I guess it's the last time the Broncos will play in that place. It would be nice to make it an offensive beatdown. Well, let's remember, Juice, that the Broncos have lost their last three games in the black hole. So, you know, beggars can't be choosers. However, the Broncos can come out of this game with a W. The Broncos should count themselves Fortunate, not lucky, but fortunate because this is a, a division game. Despite what Joe Flacco said, that division, this game isn't any more meaningful because it's a division game. It is. It's a division game. You ask the coaches, you ask the GM. This is an important game. And I think, Zach, if we're being honest here, we saw from the offense 
only field goals. The first teamers win. Joe Flacco was out there. And I think that's going to change. I, I, I'm not saying that that's going to be the sum of this offense for you know the, the 2019 season, but it typically takes offenses a little bit longer to get up to speed than the defenses on a you know coming out of camp and into the regular season. The, that offense usually needs about a month. There are exceptions like Peyton Manning coming out and stomping everybody in 2013, and the Ravens included with those record seven touchdowns. But I think you're going to see the defense Zach serve as the the tip of the spear in this one. Yeah, I'm with you uh, for the most part. And I also think that it's not going to be a beatdown under any circumstance, either on the Raiders or the Broncos side. This is going to be probably, if I had to guess, kind of a sloppy game. It's it's a week one opener. No team really knows about each other yet. And there's so many new moving parts on both sides, especially Denver. New coaching staff, new quarterback, new offense. And we saw in the preseason they weren't all together long enough to get that offense going. So they're still going to come out of the gates probably a little rusty, probably on both sides. I would anticipate an offensive struggle. And if it turns out that way, it's obviously in the Broncos' favor. But I wouldn't look for a blowout or a beatdown or anything. It might be a downright ugly game like we saw in the Thursday night opener. Yeah, this, I mean, we laugh at the drama. We laugh at the ups and downs and the ugliness of the silver and black. But there's more talent on this team than they're given credit. Even John Elway said it earlier this week on Elway Access that this team has talent. Now, whether or not the coaches can put it all together remains to be seen for the Oakland Raiders. But don't overlook this team. They're good. And the Broncos split with them last year. And the game they lost was was in the black hole. So I think this is going to be, as Zach said, it's going to be a battle. And it's probably going to come down to the final possession, to be honest with you. All right, next question here comes from A. Bashari on YouTube. He says, now that we're at game week, what record do you think the Broncos will have? I personally think 8-8 eight and eight is a fair prediction. Also, who do you think will win the AFC West? Keep up the good work. Zach? I've been saying eight and eight. I was saying seven to nine initially, but I upgraded that to eight and eight a couple months ago. I'm still sticking with that based on everything we saw in the preseason and based on still the opponents the Broncos have in front of them. Chad, you talk about it all the time, the the parity in the NFL, things change from week to week. And we don't know in week 10 what the Broncos are going to look like or their opponents are going to look like in week 11, week 15. I still think, though, in eight and eight season, you break even, you shake off that uh, you know, having losing records, you know, you might miss the playoffs again, but it's a step in the right direction, and you build on that for 2020 potentially with a new franchise quarterback under center. You know how I feel about eight and eight. I hate eight and eight. It's just, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they get to eight and eight, but I'm I'm probably a little bit more optimistic than Zach is. I think a ten and six finish for this team is not outside the realm of the possible. You know, when it comes to record predictions, we're going to have the Mile High Roundtable each and every week where we'll predict the game, uh, each guy at Mile High Huddle Staffer, including Zach and myself. And so stay stay tuned for those. That'll go up probably on Saturday for Monday's game. Traditionally, it'll go up on Fridays because the games are on Sunday. So we'll, we'll make our picks in that. But I, I think 10 and 6, honestly, I think 10 and 6. And if you get to 10 and 6 you've got a better than 50-50 chance at being one of the playoff teams. So 9-7, and seven, I think you, your odds drop to like about 25% in terms of being able to make the playoffs. 8-8, eight and eight, you need a miracle like the 2011 Broncos who backed in to the playoffs. Let me remind you, losing those final three games. So I, I'm going to go on, on a limb and say 10-6. and six. All right, next question here comes from Dylan Buck Elk. What's the likelihood of Jake Butt staying with the team long-term after his most recent setback? Keep up the great work, my dudes. I don't see it long term. I mean, he keeps having, unfortunately, because I, I like Jake Butt as a player so much. And when the Broncos drafted him, they got a real steal 
But setback after setback, ACL after ACL, even if he comes back, and we've been saying it all offseason, how much can he really contribute? How much is still left in those knees? I don't see it. The Broncos made a major indictment when they took a tight end in the first round and, and passed on a lot of other talent to take that guy. That is their future starter. They still have a couple other players on the depth chart. I don't see Jake Butt with the Broncos next season, if, if not sooner, you know. Yeah, it's just it's a football tragedy because he's such a talented player. You know, the health, the injury bug, let's just say, is no respecter of persons. It can strike anyone at any time. Jake Butt's future, honestly, I mean, I'm at a loss. We're in uncharted territory here. I mean, this is his third year. He's played in three games, and he's going to miss a bare minimum of eight this year. My guess is the Broncos will roll him out there just to see, depending on how needy they are at the position come midseason. They'll at least roll him out there and kick the tires and see how he's doing. But I think they're in for a diamond for a dollar at this stage. And they've already hung with it for three years. And I think if he ends up staying on IR this year, they're going to give him the summer. They're going to give him spring. They're going to give him the summer. They're going to give him one final training camp to see if he can make the 53-man roster. But it will literally be his last chance. Not only will it be a contract year, but I think their eye will be merciless come next summer. It's You're either good enough you're either healthy enough or we just got to cut bait, Jake Butt. So we'll see what happens there. Now, guys, we still got plenty of questions left in the mailbag today. But first, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, next question here comes from Eclipse Stormborn, great listener, former VIP subscriber. We're going to have more information on our premium VIP subscription here with the Maven and Sports Illustrated coming up in the very near future. So all of you former VIPs and those of you who never did pull the trigger but thought about it, stay tuned because there's going to be some really cool announcements coming out on that. Uh, Eclipse says, hey, fellas, no question this time. Just want to say keep up the good work. And I love the new uh, Dove Valley Deep Divers duo with Lance and my man, Never Fickle, on the nickel, Big Pickle, Eric Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> Rolls nice. off the tongue. Nice work, brother. LOL, he says, peace from Philly. Thanks, Eclipse. Appreciate you. Uh, next question here comes from Sinji. Do we want to predict Monday night's game or should we wait for the Mile High Roundtable? What, he, that's what he's asking. I'll, I'll get to his question, but should we just go ahead and do it? Yeah. All right. Sinji, what up, guys? My question is about Monday night. What's your prediction? I've got Denver 24 to 14. Zach, I'll answer this one first. I've got the Broncos breaking their streak of losing in the black hole. I think they're going to win this game. Give me Denver Broncos 24, Oakland Raiders 20. What do you got? Yeah, I kind of been waffling between this game for a while now, and I think ultimately they'll split this season. I think the Raiders will get better as they form more chemistry, and that's assuming Antonio Brown sticks around with them. I do have the Broncos escaping a very hard-fought defensive battle, like you said, Chad, will probably come down in the fourth quarter. I have Broncos 20, Raiders 19 in this game. Ooh, and this next one here comes from King Kirk. He asked for a score prediction, so you just got that. But then he says, <clears throat> who gets the first touchdown? 
Who gets the first sack? Could you see our offense having a big first week against the Raiders' weak defense? And the Raiders' defense, we talked about this on the last episode in the building. The Broncos guys did a great job deep diving on the personnel over there. But it is weak. I mean, the main guys that you got to watch for are Gary and Conley, the corner. He's got some talent. It remains to be seen how much of an impact the hard-hitting, strong safety, the rookie Jonathan Abram, is going to be. It'll take him probably some time to become a real impact player. He's going to be swimming because he's just been seeing vanilla defenses in the preseason, and he's looked pretty good, but it's all been vanilla. Now the chips are really going to be down, and these these offensive coordinators and starting quarterbacks, they're going to be zinging it. So I think he'll eventually be a problem for the Broncos, but I'm not too worried about him this this week. Vontez Burfecht manning the middle of the defense, uh, linebacker that cut Brandon Marshall, as we all know. There is some talent on that defensive line, but there's no depth. So, yeah, that defense is questionable. Paul Gunther, though, he's got four years, their defensive coordinator, of going against Joe Flacco in Cincinnati. So he was Cincinnati's defense coordinator from 2014 to 2017, you know, going against Flacco. So it'll be interesting to see. But let's uh, let's do it this way. We'll rotate. Zach, who gets the first touchdown for the Broncos? I'm going to say Royce Freeman gets the first touchdown. I'm going to take it one step further. I think Philip Lindsay will get the offense down in the red zone. And as we'll see often this, this season, hopefully, if the Broncos offense pans out, I think Freeman's going to vulture that touchdown and take it in from a few yards out. Who gets the first sack? I'm going to say, surprisingly, Shelby Harris. Mm, that's a good one. I'm going to say I'm going to keep it vanilla. I'm going to say Bradley Chubb. He's in for a, a huge, huge year. And I think he'll get to Derek Carr and kind of put his, his stamp on his second season. All right, next question here comes from both Chalice. Chad, I've been noticing that the Broncos wait too long to sign rookie players to their second contract, and when they want to sign them, the price is just too high for them to afford. Feels like Elway hasn't learned from his mistakes after winning Super Bowl 50 when a lot of players left Denver to get paid, even like Malik Jackson, who said it best, quote, they could have kept all of us if they signed us sooner. Um, So what she's saying, or both Chalice, he, I'm sorry, I don't know if male or female there, but is that it's not that they're, they're waiting too long to sign rookies. They're waiting too long to sign draft picks. And I think they're, that's a fair criticism, Zach. I mean, how many players off the top of your head has original draft picks has John Elway either extended or tried to extend? I mean, just off the top of our heads, we got Von Miller, we got Chris Harris, we got Derek Wolf. He tried to extend Brock Osweiler. He let Danny Trevathan go. He let Malik Jackson go. He let Matt Paradis go. I mean, he's let a lot of talent go, and sometimes that's just the way you have to play the game. I mean, the current state of the salary cap and everything being what it is, but I think that's a fair criticism, and I don't know. Maybe as time moves on, that'll change, but Elway's had to make some tough decisions, and some of them have paid off okay for the team, or the, the Broncos have gotten, uh, gotten by without them, but some of them have come back to bite them. And the problem is he doesn't really resign a lot of his draft picks because he didn't draft well to begin with the, before the last couple of years. So there was no point in resigning those players, the Shane Rays of the world, uh, even you know Shaquille Barrett. Those guys are replaceable, and they did find a replacement in Malik Reed. So the the better he drafts and going forward from 2018 and 2019, he will probably resign these draft picks, if not you know midway through the rookie contract or whatever. But that from before was just a case of the Broncos as a whole systematically just not doing well in the draft. All right, next question here comes from Jay Day. What's up, guys? Have a quick question. How do you guys feel about the special teams now compared to the preseason, and do you think it is upgraded? I think the players we brought in give us more speed and physicality. Most of the guys we brought in are explosive and are thumpers. 
feel like we filled some needs in that area. So what did the Broncos do since the preseason to help their special teams? They, they signed Corey Nelson. He, had, he used to be one of their mavens on special teams. That's, that's an upgrade. They brought back Keyshawn Bieria for all of his lack of impact on defense. He has been solid on special teams. And then they went out and claimed Deontay Spencer, the returner, who has, by all reports, everyone I've talked to who's been at the practices this week, just looks good. He looks like an experienced returner and not just a guy who you can count on to hang your hat on ca- on catching the ball, but he's a guy that's going to pick you up some yardage. He's he's a guy who's a threat to return the ball. So, it you know, we got to see it come out in the wash, J-Day, but I think some of the weaknesses and the issues that the Broncos had on special teams, most of those were way overreacted over, basically, in the fan base and media because half those guys playing special teams, if not more, aren't even on the team anymore, Zach. Yeah, Spencer will help because that was their biggest problem, and that's been their biggest problem for a few years now as a punt returner. Um, if anything, he'll be a, a pair of sure hands back there, can get a couple yards. That's all you really need. But they still were having problems with their return uh, coverage units, their return, return units in general. I want to see Tom McMahon kind of, uh, to use a Vic Fangio term, kind of earn his way and earn his keep with this team. He looked good last year in spurts, certainly better than Brock Olivo. But this summer, Chad— I wouldn't. I wasn't going to say I was overreacting, but that special teams week in and week out. I know it was preseason; they had a lot of fourth and fifth stringers playing, but it was bad. It was consistently bad. So I have to see for a few weeks, and he has to show that the special teams is improved before we start saying that they're they added all these players and they're better now. Yeah, yeah. Let's see it come out in the wash. But I'm I'm optimistic that it's going to be at least solid. There, I mean, it was just so bad on the return coverage teams. But it's because they were literally using the, the depths of the roster just to see who, who could stand out. So let's wait to, and reserve judgment on that till after week one. Next question here comes from Quinton S. He says, how will Denver perform versus the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders? I think we've pretty much covered the Raiders. I think we're both optimistic that they're at least going to play them tight, play them close. Defensively, I think they're going to dominate. But what about the Chiefs and Chargers? Let's go back to last year. Now, obviously... The entire complexion of this team has changed from a personnel perspective, coaching. I mean, across the board, the Broncos have made a lot of changes and upgrades. But even with Vance Joseph, even with Case Keenum, even with Joe Woods, even with Bill Musgrave, the Chiefs game, both of them were, were decided by a single score. And most fans can remember, you think back to that week four matchup in Denver, had Case Keenum hit a wide open streaking Demarius Thomas going down the right sideline, that's a touchdown. The Broncos win that game. Alas, you know, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, right? We'd all eat our fill. That's not how it shook out. But I think that especially with Fangio coming in and a veteran playing quarterback now for the Broncos, you're going to see them play the Chiefs and the, and the high-scoring offenses of both teams, the Chiefs and the Chargers, close. I think these are all games, Zach, that the Broncos are going to have a chance in the fourth quarter. And that's really all you can ask for in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get blown out in either of those games. Fangio's defense should be enough to contain them, and the offense, as you said, should be better than last year. But it comes back to putting the ball in the end zone and not settling for field goals. Against the Chargers and the Chiefs, two great quarterbacks, you you have to match them if it gets into an offensive shootout. You cannot settle for field goals. If they can play good defense and contain them, I mean, they have a shot. They will stay in every game this year. They're not going to get blown out. That's a difference from last year in Vance Joseph to this year in Vic Fangio. They will be competitive it just it'll come down to how well the offense does. That's the Broncos season right there. Hinges on Joe Flacco. They can be, as you said, Chad, a ten and six team, but the offense has to click. They're going to have to 
overcome the Mahomeses and the Phillip Rivers? And can Joe Flacco be that guy to do it in his age 34 season? We'll find out. Last question here comes from Brennan Cook. He says, did the Vance Joseph era hurt the Broncos' depth? That's my question for the week. Love the pod and thank you for all the amazing content. Appreciate you, Brennan. Uh, I don't think it's so much the Vance Joseph being the impetus for that two-year era in which the Broncos' depth suffered. Other than development, teaching, in that sense, yes. Yep. But really, it was Elway's horrendous 2017 draft and questionable at many spots 2016 draft. But especially that 2017 draft, you got Garrett Bowles, you got Demarcus Walker. If I'm not mistaken, Zach, that's all that's left over from that class. Yeah, it was. And they cut a lot of their picks last year and they finished out the draft class this summer. 2016 hurt, though, because they used that pick on a quarterback and that had to be their franchise guy right there. And it just set the franchise back for years. And that's what happens when you miss in that situation. And that's why Elway is being so cautious now with Drew Locke. He has to make sure he hits on that. I'm fully with you, though. It's, it wasn't Vance Joseph. As much as we harp on the guy, he wasn't in charge of buying the groceries. He can only work with the players that he had. That was all on John Elway, Matt Russell, the scouting department. They didn't do a good enough job. Hopefully, this past couple drafts, it kind of restocked the team, and I think you'll see a better uh, record because of that. Last thing I'll say on that topic is where you can put some blame on Vance Joseph is you just didn't see the development from key players, that many of whom now are gone. But let's just focus on the players who are still here. I mean, Garrett Bowles, still behind the curve where he should be going into his third year. You look at DeMarcus Walker, has been behind the curve of where he should be going into year three. Now, those are things that, yes, you can put part of it on the plate of the GM who, who brought that particular player with whatever his limitations might have been onto this roster, but also on the coaching staff for failing to get the most out of them. Now, one last thing. It's more of an exercise the demons. This comes from Twitter, Frankie Apodaca. He says, man, you know the Raiders suck, Zach, when they're willing to allow A.B. to come back after everything he did over the offseason just for the chance to beat the Broncos. Hashtag change my mind. Frankie, I'm not going to try and change your mind. I'll, I'll, all I'll say is let's remain to be – it remains to be seen whether or not the 2019 Raiders are going to suck. Yeah, I don't think they're going to suck. I think they're going to be better than they, they were last year, and they'll show it on the field and in the record on uh, the standings. He didn't come back, though, to beat the Broncos. That's a kind of a short-sighted view. He came back, like we talked about, uh, to form an explosive offense with Derek Carr overall for the season and see what they have in him, and also sell tickets and for their move to Las Vegas. This was not a, a Broncos move, though it affects the Broncos in week one. So as a football fan, you, you like to see what's going to happen and the fireworks that are going to go down in the black hole on Monday. Well, hey, guys, that's going to do it for today's Mile High Mailbag. And just so you know what to expect, you'll have a fresh episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers waiting for you on Sunday. Those guys are still honing their game, getting everything down pat. They're going to continue to get better each and every week. And I can speak for myself anyway. I'm looking forward to what they cook up for Sunday. So stay tuned for that. And then Zach and I will be back with a fresh episode on Monday leading up to, of course, Monday Night Football. The season's officially going to kick off that evening. So you'll got you'll get two more pods between now and when the Broncos kick. So stay tuned. And I also want, on a personal note, thank everybody on social media who reached out uh, in regards to my grandpa being in the hospital. Really appreciate that, you guys. Much love. Broncos country is awesome. And I just wanted you guys to all know that uh, that did not go unnoticed. Appreciate all of you. But here's the thing, you guys. you got to follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. 
Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the football around the NFL, especially fantasy football people on Sunday. Broncos are playing Monday night. It's going to be a great weekend, a great three-day period. So have a great one. In the meantime, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.